facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, welcome to The Kale Clark Show on this Giving Tuesday. Hopefully you'll give me a phone call, 888-914-9149. That's a toll-free line to call to talk to me for free. It is Tuesday. It's the 28th of November, 2023. I'm so glad you're spending this hour with me. It's going to be a really, really fun show. Really, really fun show, and I can't wait to get into it. But once again, that number to call, 888-914-9149. Of course, you can also find me on the x.com app it used to be called twitter maybe it should still be but it's called x now and you can find me there at kale clark that's my handle c-a-l-e clark with an e you can also email the program kale c-a-l-e at relevantradio.com and it's a great place to send show ideas uh potential topics things i might want to comment on and in fact today's show is based off of an email and this email was sent to us by our very own Nick Sentovich, who's the producer, of course, of The Inner Life with Patrick Conley, also on Relevant Radio, and Father Simon Says with Father Richard Simon. Two really fun shows, and Nick produces those shows. Nick Sentovich, he is the sentient one. He sent me this article because he thought I would use it, and sure enough, uh, it was great. Um, Really interesting piece. A writer has decided that hell doesn't make sense to her. And... uh, Okay, does, does Jesus get to have a say on this at all? So it's a hot topic, let me tell you. It is straight fire. I actually thought about calling this episode The Hell There Is, but uh, that, that's been done before. It's, I love the puns, but even that was too much for me. So it's just simply called Should You Believe in Hell? We're going to talk about some other stuff too, but this is uh, something that we definitely need to deal with. Uh, maybe this type of conversation came up with you and your family over the Thanksgiving table. I don't know. So this particular article comes to us from Baylor University, the home of the Baylor Bears. And by the way, they, um, they usually have a pretty strong showing uh, sports-wise. The Baylor Bears, of course, gave us the Heisman Trophy winning Robert Griffin III a few years ago. Uh, they made the Final Four recently in men's basketball. Usually have a good women's team, too. Everything comes back to sports for me, but that's, that's not the game we're playing right now. And so th- this, this appears to be the student publication of Baylor University, by the way, which is a Baptist university in Texas. It's called the BaylorLariat.com. Author of this piece is a reporter by the name of Kalina Reynolds. And she says this. She writes, quote, growing up in an uber-religious household, and uh, that doesn't mean that they're a religious household that also uses the Uber app to get from place to place. So you know what I'm talking about. Growing up in an uber-religious household, hell and the devil were common themes in family conversations. Sounds like some sparkling conversation around the dinner table. Uh, hell and the devil come up all the time. They would come up at the dinner table, on the way home from school, and of course at church. While this was a casual conversation from my parents, she writes... The idea that an ominous evil entity was constantly lurking and waiting to affect my life never sat too well with my hyperactive mind. As a result, she writes, I suffered from parasomnia. I should have looked that up before the show, what, what that means. Maybe, uh, maybe producer Jim can, can, can Google that. Parasomnia, that sounds like that's not something uh, that you want, that kind of condition. 
And I'm not making light of her, her situation by any stretch of the imagination. This is a serious topic. And um, it seems like this really obviously affected her in a negative way. She suffered from parasomnia throughout her childhood and had horrible nightmares that mostly revolved around hell and demonic entities. And that's, that's obviously quite troubling. She says at the age of 12, she asked the people around her for help to stop the dreams. And the best answer anyone could come up with was, hey, you need to pray more, they told her. You need to pray more, especially before bed. When the nightmares kept coming, I started to question my beliefs, she writes, and what I thought about hell and the devil. She goes on to say this, quote, deconstructing my views began with research. I started talking to the few family friends I knew who weren't Christians. I was unsure of my own views until I spoke to my mom's friends who were Jewish, who told me that hell wasn't a big topic in their culture. They had a word for it, but it, but they never really discussed it in depth. And, and by the way, I do have a definition now of parasomnia. Thank you, Jim. Any of a group of sleep disorders characterized by the regular occurrence of abnormal movements, vocalizations, or experiences such as sleepwalking, talking in one's sleep, or night terrors. Um, so it kind of covers a whole lot of things, sleepwalking included. I've actually sleepwalked before, by the way, total sidebar, but... That was a really weird experience. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie um, A Beautiful Mind with Russell Crowe. Remember when, like, you know, the guys in the white coats come to take him away? It's all, it's, is it really happening? Is it not happening? I don't want to spoil the movie. But I had this dream that my wife was sending the guys in the, in the white lab coats to take me away, which probably isn't a bad idea, actually. And uh, I actually woke up in the middle of the night. I was sleepwalking, but I said, you'll never take me alive. I actually kicked her in the back jumped out of bed and hid in the closet. I was kind of like in a ninja position. I was ready to like take on anybody, like all comers. And then she, she had to snap me out of it. I was completely sleepwalking. So anyways, so these things do happen. And uh, it even happened to me. How about that? You're listening to the Kale Clark Show, 888 Okay, so back, back to uh, this writer, Kalina Reynolds, and what she wrote about. And the, the poor girl, obviously, was truly suffering. And she... she um, she says this, quote, it shocked me that this thing that had been such a central point of my life, and this is, um, she's, she obviously was very troubled by talk of hell, um, which happened a lot at church and even in her family home, and she had nightmares about it. <clears throat> she said that it shocked me that this thing that had been such a central point of my life was nothing more than a word to some people. I suddenly began chipping away, she writes, at my strict Christian viewpoint and reconstructing my beliefs until I came to the decision that I no longer believed the pit of eternal fire was actually hell. Now, it's kind of interesting that she's putting it this way because she's using the word I an awful lot. I suddenly began chipping away at my strict Christian upbringing. I began reconstructing my beliefs, my beliefs, until I came to the decision that I no longer believed X. All right. So she goes on to say, if you think about it, the Christian viewpoint of hell makes no logical sense. She says, I will preface this by saying that I do believe in an afterlife for the simple fact that our essence has to go somewhere once we shed our body. I just don't think that place is hell. 
She says, in the Christian religion, hell is made out to be a form of physical suffering and a place where a soul goes to burn for all eternity. However, it should be noted that because the soul is not a physical entity, it has no nerves, she says. What a nerve of her to write this. I can't believe this. And then she she keeps going, quote, Therefore, the quote-unquote fires of hell that you read about in the Bible should be interpreted as a metaphor, emotional suffering. In theory, if an almighty God really wanted to punish someone for their sins, wouldn't he do it through a form of emotional torture? Most people would say that emotional torture far outweighs the burden of physical torture in most cases. Now, she's right about that. She's right about that. Well, more on this in just a second. And uh, just the last little bit here, she says, quote, I believe what the fires of hell should be interpreted as is the possible feeling of the pain that a soul caused on earth. Once a soul feels the deep amount of pain they have caused on earth, they're able to pass on to heaven, for lack of a better word. The word hell is not mentioned in the Old Testament, and there is only one possible spot in the New Testament that could be translated to the word hell. <laughs> I don't think she's read the New Testament very very uh, adequately. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, it uses the term tartarus. It kind of sounds like tartar sauce, which... It was a, a, a horrific experience for some. I know I like tartar sauce, especially on fish and chips. But anyways, it uses Tartarus, which translates to a temporary place or restraint. The key here, she says, is temporary. The idea of eternal punishment insinuates the notion that it's not possible to grow past your mistakes. What makes the most sense based on this interpretation is purgatory. A temporary place for purification, a temporary place for learning from mistakes is what can actually give people the ability to achieve a justified afterlife. End of quote. Okay, so this writer is very confused about a lot of stuff, Kalina Reynolds. And of course, a lot of it is driven from some very negative experiences that she had growing up. Uh, Talk about hell, stuff that she heard at church, uh, around the family dinner table. I'm guessing she comes from. I'm guessing she comes from a Baptist family. I, I can't guarantee that, but uh, she's obviously a student at Baylor University, which is a Baptist university again. But she's she's not Catholic. You can tell by um, her misunderstandings about what the idea of purgatory is all about. She mentioned that at the end of her piece. But at the end of the day, what what she's saying here really is that the concept of hell can't possibly exist. Because it doesn't make sense to me. I don't think it makes sense to me, is what she's saying. Well, it may not make sense to her, but the counterpoint to that thought is, God never checked with me about anything. I mean, that's what one of my old professors used to say, Dr. Dennis Nien. I had him as a theology professor, and he used to say that all the time. Hey, listen, God never checked with me about anything. It's true. Um, He didn't ask us, does this make sense to you? Should I do it this way? No. I mean, it is or it isn't. We have to get in touch with reality here. So, is it a real concept? Does hell actually exist or does it not? It may not make sense to her. She may not think it's a just option for a loving God. But that doesn't mean that it's not real. The question is, what's the evidence for this? So, I, I, I... I want to get get to to um, to let me. Uh, there's a lot of things that I want to, that I want to respond to here, and, and you know maybe this this is something that your your friends and family members um, 
actually, you know, have trouble with as well. It's, it's, it, it's totally understandable. The idea of how can, how can the existence of an eternal hell be compatible with a loving God? That's, that's a question that a lot of people ask. But um, I want to I want to talk about um, when she talks about nerves. Okay, there, there's no way you could ha- have physical suffering for all eternity because guess what? Uh, she views hell as sort of non-physical. That's 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 a big big uh, topic here. I'm trying to find this um, place where. Oh yeah, here it is. She she writes. Um, Quote, in the Christian religion, hell is made out to be a form of physical suffering and a place where a soul goes to burn for all eternity. However, it should be noted that because the soul is not a physical entity, it has no nerves. Therefore, the fires of hell should be interpreted as a metaphor. Okay, here's the problem. There is something called the resurrection. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. And by the way, it's not just a resurrection of the righteous. It's a resurrection of everybody. With apologies to Clint Eastwood, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The, every single one of us. And I, I, emphasis on the ugly, because those who have done evil, those who will spend eternity in hell, I don't think their resurrection body is going to be so glorious. I don't think it's going to look uh, like those of the saints. And um, it's not going to be the body beautiful, let's put it that way. And C.S. Lewis said this in his uh, marvelous, really a great big homily called The Weight of Glory. And very recently, just on November the 22nd, it was the very interesting day because three people died on that day that were huge in the 20th century. C.S. Lewis, John F. Kennedy, of course died in 1963, uh, was assassinated, and Aldous Huxley. They all died on the same day, November the 22nd, 1963. And, and Peter Kraft actually wrote a book about this called Between Heaven and Hell. It's sort of an imaginary conversation in the afterlife between those three. I mentioned Huxley uh, a few weeks ago on the program. We did a, sort of a talk about how he's one of the prophets of our age in his book, The Brave New World. Um, people didn't quite get it at the time. He's proved very prophetic about our modern age. And, of course, uh, John F. Kennedy uh, who was interesting because uh, here's an anecdote about John F. Kennedy. I don't want to get too far afield here, but John F. Kennedy... Um, used to hang out a lot with Billy Graham because remember when when the evangelist Billy Graham he 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 always cultivated these relationships with U.S. presidents and you know he's trying to help them spiritually he proved to be a spiritual counselor for many of them and John F. Kennedy there's a, there's an anecdote in Billy Graham's autobiography called Just as I Am in which he recounts riding in a car with President Kennedy and they got in this spiritual conversation and Kennedy turned to him and he said, Hey, Dr. Graham, let me ask you a question. Do you seriously believe in the resurrection? Do you, do you actually think that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? He's like, yeah, I totally do. And, and Kennedy was like, Hmm, very interesting. Very interesting. And, and so it was, it was an intriguing conversation for Graham to, to recount because obviously Kennedy was Catholic and it seemed like maybe at that point he was having some doubts. Now, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm wrong about this, uh, you listeners can uh, can disabuse me of this notion. You can call in 888-914-9149. But I'm pretty sure that Padre Pio said that John F. Kennedy was in heaven, he, that he did make it to heaven. So you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that is true. I think that that is true. So um, that's what he said, at least, anyway. So, you know, he's a saint, so you know, take it for what's worth. He had some pretty mystical experiences. But intriguing that all these guys died on the same day, but 
Why do I bring that up? It's fun, fun segue into this. C.S. Lewis in his, it, it, you can get it as a small book, but essentially it's, it's a long sermon, essentially called The Weight of Glory. And this isn't a direct quote, but he said something. He says something like this in that in that in the weight of glory. He says that it is a serious thing to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. Now he doesn't actually think that we become gods on our own planets, like like Mormons believe. It's not what he thinks at all. Small g. He, he's using it as a as a. He doesn't mean it literally, but. He says that every single person that we are around all day long, every day, people that we go to school with, people that we're on the bus with, people that uh, are in the next cubicle, is someone who, depending on where they end up in the afterlife, when you see them in their final state, they, you would either be strongly tempted to worship them because they'll be in such glory. And think about in, in the book of Revelation, right? Uh, John the Revelator, he, he gets all these incredible revelations really from, from and this angel is mediating and, and John actually kneels down and says, you know, he's going to worship the angel. And the angel's like, don't do that. Get up. I, I'm a servant of the most high God, just like you. You must worship God. Deo Medora in Latin. You, you can only worship God. But, but the, if we were to see, think, think about our lady, think about the glory that she will have for all eternity. She's going to shine brighter than, than any of the other saints. Or angels. And and if you were to see her, you'd be strongly tempted to worship her. But no, that would be a sin. That would be idolatry. Even when it comes to Our Lady, she's a creature, the most exalted creature, but still a creature. But C.S. Lewis also said this, those who are destined, who will end up, and they're not predestined to hell. I want to make that really clear. Those who will end up in hell will be sort of such monstrosities that these are the kinds of creatures that you only encounter encounter in horror films. So, and he says all day long in everything that we do, we are helping the people around us to get to one of those destinations and please God, let it be the first one. And, And it means that what we do really matters. The choices that we make matter. And we are helping one another along one of two paths because there's only there are only two destinations, two possible destinations for the human person for all eternity, heaven or hell. You say, what about purgatory? Purgatory is not forever. And everybody who's in purgatory, and the, and the, and, and the, uh, the young lady who wrote this article, uh, Kalina Reynolds, she's pretty confused about the concept of purgatory. She says that, you know, really what we think of as hell is really purgatory. Or it should be purgatory. Kind of get the second chance to change your mind. No, that's not what purgatory is at all. Purgatory is not a second chance. When you die... Where you're at with God, that is fixed for all eternity. And that's why we have to pray for the grace of final perseverance, because there will be a test at the end of our lives where we may be tempted to despair, maybe we'll be really ill. There will be a test from the enemy to give up hope and to just chuck it all. You can almost bank on it. And and we need to pray for that most important of grace is the grace of final perseverance. And so those who are in purgatory, they're destined to go to heaven. They're, they're, it's the mudroom of heaven. They, they have chosen for God. They died in his friendship, but they're not perfect yet. They haven't been made perfect yet. And the letter to the Hebrews tells us that without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So this process of sanctification has to, if it's not finished in life, it needs to be finished in the afterlife. So this is really important. That's, what, that's not what purgatory is all about. So this, this whole idea of the, the double resurrection, the double resurrection is incredibly important. So here's what, what Jesus says. And again, Jesus gets to have an opinion about this. 
even if you don't like it. Jesus gets to have an opinion about this. He's God. He's, he's the author of this. In John chapter 5, starting with verse 25, Jesus says, truly, truly, and this is the double amen. You know he's serious. You know he really means business. Amen, amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And by the way, that's exactly what he does later in John's, in John's gospel, in John chapter 11, with the resuscitation of Lazarus, the raising of Lazarus. He calls him out, Lazarus come forth, and the dead man comes out, still wrapped in, in his garments, the death shroud. Those who hear will live. He goes on to say, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment. Because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs, all who are in the tombs, will hear his voice and come forth. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So this is the double resurrection. Okay, so yes, when we die, we know what our destiny is going to be. And that's true. We get the individual judgment before God, the, but the particular judgment, but there's still the, the general judgment of all people together. You can read about that in Matthew 25. I'm not going to look it up now, uh, but you can read it on your own, of course. This is the famous sheep and the goats discussion. Um, sheep will be on his right, the goats on the left. You don't want to be a goat. You want to be the greatest of all time as a saint, but you don't want to be that kind of goat. And Jesus will separate them, and the, and the goats will go into eternal punishment. This happens at the general resurrection on the last day, the final judgment. So you already know what your destiny is if you've died beforehand, but, but there's a, an element of justice in which the choices that we make, like C.S. Lewis was talking about, they affect everything else, like a stone, the ripples in a pond. It affects everything and affects everyone. So when we sin, it hurts the entire body of Christ. It hurts other people. They're never done in isolation. And the same thing with our good deeds as well. They echo throughout all of creation, really. We can affect many lives for the good as well. So this is really, really important. Uh, in, in Daniel, in the book of the prophet Daniel, we're reading Daniel in the first readings um, at Mass these days. He talks about this, that many multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to life. It will shine like the stars forever and ever, who led many to righteousness and some to everlasting contempt and shame. So even in the, in the Old Testament, it talks about this double resurrection of the body. It's very, very important. So, what do you think about all this? I want to hear from you. 888 It's a toll-free line to talk to me on The Kale Clark Show. We'll be right back after this quick break. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, 888-914-9149. We're kind of reacting to this opinion piece uh, written by a student writer about how hell doesn't make sense to her. So she's kind of said, I don't believe in this anymore. And uh, we're kind of giving some background on this and what Jesus has to say about this. I think that's pretty important. But I want to hear what you have to say as well. Do you find this among your friends, family members, 
Did this come up over the Thanksgiving table? I just can't buy all this talk on the afterlife from the Catholic Church. Are they trying to scare us? 888-914-9149. Let's go to Brian, a good friend Brian in Bangor, Maine. Hey, Brian, it's been too long. How you doing, man? Hi, Tail. It has been too long. Am I uh, coming in okay? Yeah, yeah. Loud and clear. And by the way, belated happy Thanksgiving to you. Yes, and happy Thanksgiving to you as well. Well, I I was going to call in uh, last week, but I I know, you know, I like to talk sports with you, and you mentioned that you didn't want to hear anything about the Buffalo Bills, so I (laughs) I figured I'd better not call in. And and, and so I won't get get into it today either. No, that's okay. That's okay. yeah, I did have kind of a vision when you explained your sleepwalking episode or sleep running <laughs> episode. Uh-huh. It probably had to do with watching Josh Allen and maybe watching a water the Waterboy movie or something like that. <laughs> you, just, you just had well, to jump out of bed and take action. Yeah, yeah, that was a tough game against against Philly on Sunday. But I'll tell you what. It was a great game too. I really enjoyed that game, but I think yeah, it's it's going to be tough for the Bills to make the playoffs. But it was, yeah, it, it, it was awesome. And I, I did go to that Toronto's game a month ago with the Bruins, where they ended up in uh, in the shootout. So I won't, nice. I won't get into that either. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, the Bruins have always had our number, always for years. But anyways, yeah. So what what do you, what do you think about this topic, it's Brian? Long, yeah, it's a long season. I think yeah. Back to the topic. It's just a great subject. You know, and I, I admittedly am very hesitant with our with our children. We have we have four mm-hmm. two, uh, two adult children and two two soon to be adult children mm-hmm. to get into talking about help. It's really hard. Uh, but our yeah. daughter is she goes to Villanova and she she's re- reading Dante right now. So we had wow. a good good conversation this past weekend. But I I always kind of personally lean towards Augusta. Is, um, hell's pretty. Oh, Brian, you're, you know, you're breaking up it, a little bit. Sorry, what? Can you repeat that? Uh, you, you lean toward Augustine. Is that what you said? I, I personally, I, I lean towards Augustine. That that I believe Augustine's view on hell is it's it's pretty crowded. So I want to do my best to not be <laughs> in that crowd. Yeah, that that's exactly right. That's exactly right, Brian. And that, you know, Jesus' disciples asked him that question too. People are curious. Inquiring minds want to know, and they're like, "Hey, you know, how many people are going to get to heaven? Is it going to be a lot of people? Is it going to be a little?" And, and Jesus didn't really answer the question. He just said, "Strive to enter through the narrow gate." You know, yeah, but how many people? I want to know exactly the numbers here. Strive to enter in because. The way is broad that leads to destruction, and many, many go that way. So it, it would seem to to it would stand to reason that there are probably going to be more people um, in hell than we think, unfortunately. And that's 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 a great tragedy. That's a great tragedy. Again, to quote C.S. Lewis, another thing he said was that the door to hell is locked from the inside. And this is, I think, part of the writer's issue here, this idea that that a loving God could send... It's not so much that God sends people to hell. People send themselves there. They, they, they go there intentionally by consistently always saying no to God. No, 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 no. And shutting the door and locking it from the inside. He can't get in. It's like that famous uh, painting of Christ where he's knocking at the door, but there's no doorknob on the door because it's on the inside. And uh, it's called Light of the World, a very famous painting that we talked about recently on the show. Yeah, and it is a tricky subject, especially with young people. How do you bring it up? What's the right age to talk about it? Uh, it's something that I'm struggling with, too. 
um, to be honest with you, at, the, at this age of my daughter's life. But but I think I think it, you know, in age appropriate ways, we have to get the message across because it is it is part of the gospel. It's still part of the church's teaching, even though a lot of people don't want it to be. Um, so, and producer Jim said there's a great book on hell called The Dogma of Hell, illustrated by facts taken pro- from profane and sacred history by F.X. Shoop. Is that how you pronounce it? F.X. Father F.X. Shoop S.J. Uh, he says it's a great book on hell. Producer Jim says that. Available at Tan Books. Uh, so F.X. Shoop. Shoop, there it is. S-C-H-O-U-P-P-E. Brian, are, are you still there? I am, Kale. And it was, uh, it was it's just a fantastic show, and it was so appropriate with last Sunday's gospel, with the, with the separating of the goats and the sheep. Exactly and, right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Brian, God bless you. It's great to hear your voice out in Bangor, Maine. You call back any time now, you hear? Okay, that was Brian in Bangor, Maine. Always good to hear from Brian. Always good to hear from Brian. Great caller, good caller. Hey, here's a here's another f- familiar voice we haven't heard in, in, in some time. Dee Dee from Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, Dee Dee. Uh, hi, Kale. Good well, to have you, you know, back. It's been be a fan been a of. Well, I happen to be a fan of C.S. Lewis, mm. and I've never forgotten this. And it's this comment about atheists, not Christians, atheists, and hell. And he and a friend are walking uh, around in a cemetery, and he saw an epitaph on a tombstone. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it was, here lies an atheist, all dressed up and nowhere to go. <laughs> And C.S. Lewis added his own comment about that, about the epitaph. He said, quote, unquote, I bet he wishes that were so. Mm, wow. I've, I've never heard that anecdote before, but uh, it seems like a very, it seems like a historical anecdote. You know, the witticisms of C.S. Lewis, I think that's bang on with his personality and with what he's had to say. And hey, Didi, I thank you for that. That's um that's a great, great, um, like I said, a great, great little snippet from, uh, hopefully it's a true story. Um, that's, uh, it's hard to, I, you know, would an atheist be that cheeky to put that on their own tombstone, all dressed up and nowhere to go? Well, there is a place, there is a place. And hopefully that person repented at the last moment. Uh, there's always hope. But yeah, this is this is definitely a doctrine that a lot of people do doubt. Um, and I've told you before that the one time I got fired from a speaking gig, uh, the one time I got fired from a regular speaking gig, but that's okay. It, it was for a good cause. Um, I had this regular gig where I would every year I would speak to these, uh, these the incoming grade ten class at this this Catholic high school, and I would do this sort of retreat for them. I talk about theology, of the body. I talk about a whole bunch of other stuff. And eventually we get talking about the gospel. And one of the things that makes the salvation that Christ offers so great is what he's saving us from. And that's, we've been, we've been dealing with this in some depth on the Faith Explained show. We're right now going through St. Paul's letter to the Romans. So it's an interesting, today's episode, we, we really talked about how to answer that question. Have you been saved? You know, non-Catholic Christians will ask you this question. Have you been saved? And, you know, we don't really know. We don't really talk like that. So how do we know how to answer that? Well, I dealt with that today. So you can check the, the archives on the relevant radio app. Check the podcast. Uh, but St. Paul makes it very clear the depths of depravity that human beings can sink into without God. And 
anyways, these grade 10 boys, I was talking about all kinds of stuff. And there was this one kid who was fast asleep, like the entire day uh, that I was, I was giving these talks. Can you imagine? Can, can anyone really fall asleep while I'm talking? Uh, yes, it can happen. It can happen. So hopefully I know a lot of you are listening in the car right now. Hopefully that's not happening to you. Hopefully there are not, uh, uh, multitudes of uh, collisions happening all across the United States on the highways and byways because of me. And I apologize in advance if that's the case. But no, uh, of course, you're riveted. You're awake. You're wide awake. You're, it's like you're on uh, uh, monster energy 24-7. Any, anyways, um, yeah, this, this kid, he happened to wake up. The only time he actually woke up the whole day, I was talking about the reality of hell. And I was I was talking through, and this is private revelation, but that, that's okay. It's in public revelation, too. I was talking about Sister Faustina's visions of, of the afterlife. And uh, uh, the kids uh, kids love talking about this stuff. High school students love talking about this stuff. But this particular guy, maybe he was like the, the, the young woman who wrote the article that I mentioned off the top. Maybe he had some troubling nightmares as a youngster. Maybe, maybe he was, you know, stuff about this really bothered him. But he never said anything to me. He never raised his hand, never asked a question or anything. Didn't get any response out of this guy. But I did get a phone call the next day from the principal of the school who basically said, you're fired and I, you can never come back again. <laughs> Why? Because the kid, what, what had happened was the kid went home. He told his dad, his dad was like, how was the retreat? Oh, the speaker was terrifying. What, what are you talking about? He was talking about hell. And the father just lost it. He just lost it. He called the school, threatened to pull all his funding. You know, he was a big donor and everything. And um, the school wouldn't back me up. And one of the things that the father said was, don't you know that the Catholic Church got rid of hell with Vatican II? Just got rid of it. The Catholic Church, I was like, which document of Vatican II? Does it, where, where does it say that? Because it's not there. It's not there. This is this is one of those spirit of Vatican II conversations where, oh yeah, the spirit of Vatican II, which is totally divorced from the actual documents of Vatican II. People should try reading them. But here, here's the thing, though. Where is this coming from? I, I don't want to speculate, but it, as it turns out, the dad was an ex-Catholic priest who had, at some point, obviously left the priesthood and had you know, gotten laicized, gotten married, had a family. I don't want to speculate, but it it just might be possible. It just might be possible that he might have been a victim of misunderstandings in the wake of Vatican II when everyone thought the church was jettisoning its, its traditional doctrines. Um, not the case. And I, I wanna, Again, I don't want to speculate. I don't know this guy at all, but he raised, I was going to say he raised holy heck, but uh, he doesn't believe in that. So at any rate, I got canned. But it was it was for a good cause. I, I would do it again. Um, these things are real, and you know maybe I didn't I didn't know I didn't I had no idea how could I have known the kid was struggling with this. I would have certainly tried to talk to him about it. He missed all the stuff. I did talk about the mercy of God. Trust me, I did talk about that. But he missed that part. He was asleep for that part. It's not my fault. But anyways, hopefully you're wide awake and listening. And if you are awake, you can grab your phone and call triple eight nine one four nine one four nine triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. It's Kale Clark Show. We'll be right back after this break. Explaining the faith so you can explain it to others. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to the program. 888-914-9149 is the number to call to talk to me for free. Talking about the existence of hell, which is a 
something that we wish didn't exist, but it is a reality. And uh, I started off by talking about an essay that came out on the net um, questioning the existence of an eternal hell. Tried to deal with that. And uh, just before the break, we talked about the quote-unquote spirit of Vatican II, which is very much not in line with the actual documents of Vatican II. And producer Jim said that he wants to, for Halloween next year, he wants to be the spirit of Vatican II. And I don't know if you can get that costume at the Spirit of Halloween stores, but um, that sounds like a... What would that look like, Jim? What would the Spirit of, of Vatican II costume look like? Well, I ran across it as a meme <laughs> on Facebook, and it's kind of a joke, but it shows a guy with a, a white sheet over his head with two holes for the eyes, and he's holding a banjo. So <laughs> A banjo. Oh, the folk something, mats. We, oh. something I don't want to see uh, at mass myself. But, uh, yeah, 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 that 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 is a nightmare <laughs> for for a lot of us. I'll tell you. But uh, all right, let's go. Let's go to the uh, let's go to the phones right now. Apologies to folk mass lovers out there. Let's go to the fo- phones. Let's go to Joe in Jersey. Joe in New Jersey, welcome to the program. How are you, sir? How are you doing, Kale? It's been good to talk to you. You got a nice show. Well, thank uh, you, sir. You know, it's, I'm a Catholic. I'm mm-hmm. born again. Yep. And it's very hard for me to accept that there's a burning fire. You burn for eternity. That Jesus mm-hmm. would do that. Now mm-hmm. I looked. I just looked in the in the Bible. Yep. And re, in Revelation twenty, he says, "I will throw Satan into the lake of fire." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't. Who knows? Is he talking in parables? Uh, I mean, and, and in <clears throat> Fatima, they talked about hell. Yeah, it, and like you said, and also yeah. uh, Sister Fastina. But mm-hmm. you know, it's so hard to 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 believe this. Very hard. To, you know, it, it, a burning fire forever. Yeah, I know. It, it does sort of stagger the, the imagination to talk about this. And you mentioned a couple of private revelations. And don't worry, it's in the public revelation of the church as well. And, and Joe, I do want to go into where this imagery comes from, by the way, biblically, which we'll do in just a second. But uh, you mentioned the children of Fatima. That's a great, great point that Our Lady, in, in, in the private revelations that they had, she kind of peeled back the curtain, if you will, and showed uh, the three visionary children hell and, and all the souls suffering there for all eternity. And they said they would have died on the spot of the sight of it and the fright of it if Our Lady had not promised them that they weren't going to go there. That, I guarantee you, you're not going there. Now, Francisco needs to say a few more rosaries. He needs to do better with that. But you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Okay. Um, so, you know, but, but that, that, and again, it's private revelation. No Catholic is bound to believe private revelation, even if it's approved by the church as Fatima is and well documented. And there's good warrant to believe that, which I do. But, but there are some out there who say, I, I don't buy it. Fine. You don't have to buy any of it. it, it these are private revelations. Um, some are approved by the church. Some private revelations are not approved by the church. Uh, the visions of Sister Faustina. And we pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet every day here on Relevant Radio during the Drew Mariani Show, 3 p.m. Central, the Hour of Mercy. And in her diary, Faustina talked about tours of the afterlife that she was given. And the one on hell is pretty harrowing. And I've mentioned this before on the show. You can find it on the Internet. Um, Just Google Sister Faustina's Visions of Hell. You can read about it. Um, No matter how bad these things might be, the reality is far worse. It's far worse. There's no imagery that you could possibly use, whether flames or whatever, to to encapsulate how bad. And, and let's get back to one one thing that that the writer of this article said um, uh, off the top. And she's right about this part, Kalina Reynolds. She said, "I just can't." 
can't buy that there'd be physical suffering in hell. We kind of debunked that earlier. It's, it's the resurrection. The final resurrection does come into play. Um, heaven is a physical place. There's a new heaven and a new earth. Hell is a physical place as well. Resurrected bodies are going to go there too. So there is a physical element. But even if there weren't, even if it were purely spiritual suffering, spiritual suffering is worse than even the physical suffering. And Peter Crave talks about this in his book that he wrote on heaven. It's called uh, Heaven, the Heart's Deepest Longing. And he said it was the favorite. I actually talked to him once, and he signed my book, and I met him at a talk. And, and he said that this is the, I mean, my, I'm glad you asked me to sign this book, because this is actually my favorite book that I've ever written, he said, the one on heaven. Because nobody really writes about heaven too much. But he, in that book, he, he talks a little bit about the place you don't want to go. And, and he says, look, think, think about this. There's something worse than, than physical suffering. And that's the spiritual suffering. When you get that piece of bad news. And I, I literally just got a piece of bad news d- during the break. I just got a text message um, from Father Eric Nikolai, uh, who's been a guest on the program before, art historian. Uh, he's got a great podcast called In Your Presence. Listen to it. Great for prayer. He literally just texted me during the program and said that a very young priest friend of ours, Father Fatty Seraf, just died of a heart attack. This guy is pretty young. I don't know exactly how old he is, but it's a shock. It's a shock. He just passed away. So let's pray for the repose of his soul, Father Fatty. I'm asking to do that. So we, we just don't know when, when our number is up. And uh, the Lord knows. And hopefully he plucks the flower when it's in full bloom. Having said that, you get that piece of bad news. Someone who you love has passed away. Um, you get whatever the case may be. Think about all the unspeakable tragedies that have been happening, unfolding across the world, overseas, over these past few months. What do people do when when they when they hear something just horrifically awful? They will often they'll punch a hole through the wall. Why would they do that? I mean, they're going to break their knuckles. That. It's because they're trying to distract themselves from the spiritual pain with physical pain. They're pounding their head against the wall because they, they, they're trying to distract themselves. The spiritual pain is worse, but it, is worse, but in hell you have both. It's, it's, it's the total person who is, um, who is suffering. Again, God doesn't want this. His will is not that anyone be lost, but he has created us with free will. Now, this is a problem. Like in, in, for, for a lot of Protestants, especially Calvinistic uh, strains of, um, of, of the Reformation, John Calvin talked about absolute predestination. He talked about a double predestination. He said some people are predestined to go to hell. That is not true. God does not desire anyone to go to hell, but he has given us free will. He has given us free will, and we can choose to love God or not. Otherwise, it's not love. Love that is coerced is not true love. And so uh, he's given us the choice, and sin is what results when we say no to God, and yes to ourselves, or yes to the temptations that we, that we encounter in life. That's how the devil became the devil. Right? Even he had a choice. His choice was eternal. He can never go back on it, because he was an, an eternally created angel, and it, it's on a different level. But we humans can repent. That's the great news, that we can repent. We have a choice. We can go back to God, and that's the great grace of where we're at right now. But that is only for a limited time. It's a limited time offer because we don't know when our last day is on this planet. And number two, we don't know when Christ is coming back. But we do know this, that when we die, that is the end of the world for us. There is no second chance. 
And, uh, and so that, that's why that's the, this is the drama of life, as C.S. Lewis talked about. Their choices truly matter. Very, very important. All right, let's go to Elena in San Benito, Texas. Hi, Elena. Hi, how are you? Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I was just uh, going to comment on that last caller. And uh, when he said that, he kind of like didn't agree that Jesus would throw us to these fiery pits of hell or whatever. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, it is our choice. If we end up there, that's a choice that we've made in life because he came to show us the way. And yes, uh, if we choose to go the right way, we will end up with him in heaven. If we choose to separate ourselves by picking and choosing what we choose to believe, then those are the ramifications of our our choices. Well said, Elena. It's true. And and this, again, goes back to C.S. Lewis's famous saying, the door to hell is locked from the inside. And, And by the way, some of the imagery that's used, now Jesus uses the term, and this is mentioned in, in the Gospels, Gehenna, when talking about hell. And that was actually a physical place. It was also known as the Valley of Hinnom, which becomes Gehenna. And this is a valley outside of Jerusalem. And I've actually been there. I've actually been there. You could say that I've been to hell and back, literally, uh, when I was in Israel. And in fact, there's some ancient tombs that are there. That including the shroud tomb, the very famous shroud tomb, and I was down. It was like Indiana Jones stuff. I was sliding through these ancient passageways into this underground crypt. Pretty wild stuff. I'll tell you about that another time. But this is the image that that Christ uses to describe hell. Because again, you have to you have to use an analogy. It's very difficult to explain. Uh, and you can read about this in the Catechism as well. By the way, paragraph ten thirty three in the Catechism. You can look it up. Uh, and following. One of the things it says in, in paragraph 1033 of the Catechism is that we cannot be united with God unless we freely cho- choose to love Him, which is what we were talking about before. But we cannot love God, it says, if we sin gravely against Him, or against our neighbor, or against ourselves. And then it quotes Scripture, that he who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. And that's from John chapter 3. So Jesus warns us that there is a possibility of being separated from him for all eternity if we fail to meet serious needs uh, of the poor, uh, those who are um, his brethren, to die in mortal sin, the Catechism says, without repenting and accepting God's merciful love, means remaining separated from him forever by our own free choice this state of definitive self-exclusion. And again, the Catechism says it's self-exclusion. You're doing it to yourself. From communion with God and the blessed is called hell. So, no, no, if you don't want to go there, you don't have to go there. And believe me, if you don't want to go there, then Christ will make sure that he's got you. Like Peter sinking into the Sea of Galilee, he will grab you when you're, and he will pull you up. The grip of grace. You cannot be wrested from his hand. He will not let you go, but you can let him go. And we've been sort of talking about this, too, on the Faith Explained show. Paul, tomorrow, I'll be talking about, at 1230 Central, the whole doctrine of original sin. This is another thing that people don't buy into in, in, in this world, this doctrine of original sin. That, well, how is it my fault? Because of something Adam did, you know, way back at the beginning. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not that you did anything wrong, but there's something wrong with all of us because of it. 
It's like a genetic defect that's been passed on to everybody. And Christ is the second Adam who comes to reverse the curse. He, he, he literally has done everything possible to make sure that you don't have to go there. And you, you, no one will go there if they turn to God and repent. That's the, that's the thing that most people don't want to do. They don't want to repent. They, they want the forgiveness part of it, but they don't want to change. They don't want to repent. They don't want to start doing things God's way. That's pride, right? I did it my way. That's the song they sing in hell, Old Blue Eyes. That, and you've heard that many times, but it's true. It's absolutely the case that, that as long as we humble ourselves before God, repent, believe in the gospel. And to believe doesn't just mean to intellectually ascend. It means to turn your life around, become obedient to the gospel. And that's what we need to do. And, and Christ, um, we don't need, so we don't need to be afraid. A common caricature of Catholics is that we're always afraid. We're walking on eggshells. God's going to zap us. No, no, that's not true at all. That is not true at all. But we do know that we have free will and that we can walk away from the relationship. That's the, that's the great, again, the great, the great drama. And uh, I, I talked about this earlier today on, on, Faith, on the Faith Explained show as well, because St. Paul says, yes, I have been saved. I am being saved, and I hope to be saved, because the, the final aspect, the final piece of the puzzle hasn't happened yet, and that will happen in eternity. I'm going to get my resurrected body, I'm going to live with Christ for all eternity, and hallelujah, as long as you're in your, his friendship, you've got nothing to worry about. You've got nothing to worry about. And, 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 and when you go back to him, when you repent and you turn back to him, he will hear your prayer. And so, this is the grace of the sacrament of confession as well. Uh, and if you truly repent, you're sorry, you get hit by a truck on the way to confession, he can act outside of the sacrament. But yes, take advantage of that sacrament of confession. Do it. That's It's so important. And this last year, or this last week, rather, the liturgical year, that's what we're in right now. It, it, we will hear a lot of readings about the afterlife because we're, we're coming up to the end here. And uh, it's important for us to understand that uh, we got to take this thing seriously, and uh, the end is the beginning. The end of our lives should be the a transition point to the beginning of a glorious new existence with Him, and it will be for us when we trust in Him. So, more tomorrow, more tomorrow, I promise, on the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. So, uh, if you called and you didn't get in, please call back tomorrow. We'll try to put you to the front of the line. Jim Shaper produced. Miranda Sinaceros took your phone calls. Stay tuned for Trending, guest hosted by Brooke Taylor. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.